Welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. I'm your host, Corey Graham. Join us here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. I'm holding a book in my hands right now. It's titled, Lord, I Forgive Myself. And that's what the author, Dr. Tommy Beaker, wants us all to say in our hearts with joy. And Dr. Beaker is right here with me now, and I'm really excited to find out more about this book. Dr. Beaker, welcome. Thank you so much for joining me. It's my pleasure, Corey. Thank you for the opportunity. Like I said, I'm excited to find out more about this book. So, Dr. Beaker, what have you written about here? And Lord, I forgive myself. Well, I've been a pastor for almost 40 years, a Christian counselor. And what I've noticed over the years is that there are literally thousands upon thousands of Christians, Corey, who struggle with something that has bothered me for a long time, and that is their inability to forgive themselves for their past sins and transgressions. And it's sad because they know, at least in their heads, that God is a God that forgives, but they haven't been able to forgive themselves because, as I've seen it, many of them don't fully understand the unconditional forgiveness of God. What was the spark, Dr. Beaker, that inspired you to sit down and get started writing this? I was talking to someone who literally said, I'm having a hard time forgiving myself. And it just sparked all that conversations I've had as a pastor and a counselor that said, you know, I need to do something. So as I prayed about it, the Lord said, write a book. So I sat down and started writing, and the concept came along, and I said, well, Lord, how would I write the book? He said, I want to talk to them. Just as clear as that, I want to talk to them. So as I began to write the book, I pictured someone who had just come home from church. They were struggling with the fact that pastor had been preaching about forgiveness, and yet sitting there that whole time, they were feeling so unworthy and sinful, even of being around all these godly people. And the pastor at the end of the sermon said, the hardest person to forgive is yourself. So you need to go home and have a private talk with Jesus. And that's how the book all started. And once you sat down and started the book, Dr. Beaker, how long of a process was this for you until you got it out there for people? It was about a year in the writing process. By the time we did the editing, of course, and the production, it took another six months. What would you say was the most challenging part of the entire process for you? That was talking for Jesus. Oftentimes, as I would come up with the scriptures and ask the Lord what to say, I would say, Lord, I want to tell them your heart, how you feel. What's interesting is I'm sitting in this little coffee shop, and I'm sitting there writing, and I would say, Lord, what do you want to say here? What would you say to this person? And so the words would come to me as I would write it, of course, based solidly on the scriptures. Then that day comes, Dr. Beaker, you open the mailbox, and there it is, your very first physical copy of the book, and your name's on the cover and everything. What kind of a moment was that for you? Well, it was exciting because I knew finally the thing that God had called me to do 
was now in the hands of people who could benefit from this. Mm -hmm. Because the thing that I see is that so many churches today, and I'm not picking on any particular denomination, it's across the board in a lot of ways, the church is not teaching people the unconditional forgiveness of God and how, as Christians, because of what Jesus did on the cross, you cannot lose your salvation. And yet this is not being taught in the churches today. So I'm holding the book, and I'm finally realizing, since it's based on all Scripture, not my opinion or anything, I knew that this could be a powerful tool to help people truly say, Lord, I finally forget myself. Dr. Beaker, right now we're being heard by a lot of authors who are just starting out in this whole world. So based on your experience publishing and writing, what advice would you be able to give them? Take your time. Make sure you have your facts straight and accurate. And to make sure, especially if you're writing a Christian book, that you spend a lot of time in prayer and meditation and really discovering what does the Bible really say about that particular topic. The main thing is, though, be patient with yourself and understanding this is not a quick process. I think a lot of people are going to take steps to be able to forgive themselves and find a lot of hope in this book. It's titled, Lord, I Forgive Myself. It's written by Dr. Tommy Beaker. It's published by Christian Faith Publishing, and it's available everywhere. Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and also traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Dr. Beaker, it's been fantastic talking with you today. I really appreciate your time. Thank you very much, Corey. I appreciate the opportunity. I have a book right here with me now that tells an engaging story about friendship for a young boy who's nervous about the first day of school. It's titled Sticky Stories, Barefoot Buddies Make a New Friend. And it's really exciting. The audiobook format just came out of this book. And the author, Beach Blum, is right here with me now. And we're going to talk all about it. Beach, welcome. Thanks for joining me tonight. Thank you for having me, Corey. Thank you. It's great to have you here. Beach, can you tell me what readers and listeners can expect whenever they open up Sticky Stories? Really just a back-to-basic story about friendships and kindness and loyalty amongst very young children. And hopefully that they can carry that into adulthood. What ages of children would you say then would get the most out of this? I'm going to say middle school or even younger. High school might be a little young for, although it pertains to them too. Mm. And how did you get the idea for this book? What was your inspiration? Actually, from watching my children and their friends. We live in a very small town. From watching how they interacted and how they seemed to be to each other and to kids that they didn't really know. Mm. And what does your writing background look like? Is this the first time you've ever done anything like this? Yes, it is. It's the first time. I've I've had a million stories in my head, (laughs) but I always found it hard to kind of put it down on paper. And then just one day, just decided to see how it went. Did Sticky Stories take you a long time to write and get published and everything? Not really, actually. Everything kind of fell into place just when it should have. I've been very lucky with, you know, I didn't have a problem really sitting down trying to write it, but just when I was looking for a publisher, I kind of saw a few things online, and it just kind of went from there. And of course, the audiobook version of Sticky Stories was just released. So, Beach, whenever you heard the book, how was that as opposed to reading it? Oh, really good. I thought the gentleman who was the voice behind the book was really great. And I think sometimes when you listen to a book, you get a different perspective than when you read it. Hmm. So I just pictured everybody a little bit differently than when I was reading it or writing it. So it was just another aspect of trying to view the characters. 
And of course, the hard copy came out before this. What was it like when you finally got that first hard copy and you got to hold this physical thing in your hands that you created? It was really exciting. It really was. A little strange, but very exciting. Very nice to see it in print. So it was your first time writing a book, first time publishing a book. I'm sure you learned an awful lot along the way of doing this beach. So do you have anything that you've picked up, anything you learned that you could pass on to authors who are just about to do the same thing? For me, stop procrastinating. Mm. <laughs> because I did procrastinate for a very long time before I actually put the pen to the paper. And then I think if you believe that things are going to happen, they do. And people seem to help you all along the way, as long as you're open to find the help. It kind of comes to you when you start looking for it. Sometimes if you don't look, it doesn't come. But when you look, it comes. When it comes to the publishing part of it, where you had to edit things, you had to make sure everything looked just right, sounded just right. What was the most challenging part of that for you, would you say? I didn't really stress too much about that. Mm. I sent it in and figured that the experts would tell me what I needed to tweak and what was wrong. I kind of trusted what they said because, like I said, it's my first time ever doing it. So I kind of wasn't really that nervous at all. I just figured I would give it a shot, and then whatever somebody advised me to do, I would try and do. What are the chances that we might see a follow-up to Sticky Stories, or you might be doing some other kind of writing in the future? Pretty good, I guess. I'm going to see how this one goes, try to find a few avenues to like get it out there. Hmm. But I have a couple more stories in my head. Hopefully it won't take me that long to put them down. You know, I would like to put more thought into it and maybe uh, have another story going on there. <laughs> and now that you look back over everything that you went through to publish this book, to get the audiobook out there, for you, what's the most rewarding aspect now of being a published author? I guess it feels like an accomplishment that I actually finally did something that I said I was going to do. Mm. And all the people that I have met along the way, it hasn't been many. It's been just a few, but they've all been really nice and really wonderful people that have been very helpful to me. Mm. And so that's been very enjoyable. You included. <laughs> oh, wow. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I really think people are going to love this book. It's titled Sticky Stories, Barefoot Buddies Make a New Friend. It's written by Beach Blum. It's published by the Audiobook Network. It's available on Audible, the Apple iTunes Store, Amazon, anywhere you pick up your audiobooks. Beach, thanks again for being here and telling me all about your work. I really appreciate your time. Oh, you're welcome, Corey. Thank you so much for having me. Regular listeners here at the Reader House Author Roundtable will be really happy to be hearing Rand Tubbs, the author of The Lord vs. Corruption, joining me again. Rand, welcome. Thank you for being here again. Thank you for having me. You've just released the audiobook version of The Lord vs. Corruption. That's so exciting. So it's been a while since I talked with you the first time about this book. Could you remind us all what readers are in store for here and what you've written about in The Lord vs. Corruption? The book is a testimonial story of the many miracles and supernatural events that happened to me when I was sick for three and a half years, and I had three near-death experiences, and I had hearings and visions and a lot of miraculous things, and that's what the book is about. And you said that you never envisioned yourself as, as being an author, and, and this is your first one. Right. I never imagined I'd write a book when I was young or, you know, all through high school or college because I never did very good in English and I didn't like it. I was always, you know, left brain, just math and science, and I'm a chemist. That's how I really got sick to death was working in chemistry. So my writing this book is just a promise I made to the Lord. If I ever found my other son that was shown to me in a near-death experience, that, that I'd write about all the other miracles that the Lord had done for me and other supernatural happenings. How long did this take you to write and put through that, all those publishing hoops? 
it took me about three and a half years to write it. And it was very hard for me. You know, at times I was stuck and just couldn't get moved on and, and hard to, you know, recall some of the stuff exactly. And I'm like, how to word it. And it, it was hard for me. And it was, it was a great relief when, when I finally got done with it. Oh, I bet. Rand, were you writing towards a specific readership here? Or are there certain readers out there that you think would really be into this? Well, this book is is really a great turning point, or it could re- get somebody really over a hump who is just coming to the Lord, mm. because it basically proves that life is eternal and that there's judgment at the end. Of course, we're talking about the audiobook version of The Lord versus Corruption. Rand, what was it like whenever you heard your book as opposed to reading it? Hearing it was very touching, just just as touching as reading it. Really, a lot of the miracles and things, when I read through them, I start crying to myself anyways. It's very hard not to. When you're driving along the road, you can't read. I mean, it's very intriguing and gives a lot of knowledge of eternal life with Christ. And once you decided to go the audiobook route with this, was that whole thing a smooth process? Everything seemed smooth to me. They, they basically, the narrator, they did all the work. Mm. At the end, just now, we had, you know, I had help with some news release, some, some of the top you know, statements of what they wanted to say the book was about. I had to do a little bit of adjusting there, but other than that, they did a very good job. Aran, what are the chances that we'll see more books from you here in the future? Like I said, I'm not really an author. I don't really want to write another book, <laughs> but there, there is a possibility that this could continue on you know, through grandchildren and, and their effect of it. Mm-hmm. And if you were to write another book, Rand, is there anything that you think you would do differently this time around? I might, you know, try to get a little more, you know, quicker to the miracles and into the revelations and things that have happened. Because I've had some other things happen to me that's not even in this book, Mm. you know, that could still be added to it. And I also have, I call Troy Story, my friend from high school that led me to the Lord when I was sick and dying. There was nobody else that cared for me but him, you know, and he was my best friend from high school. And he had been trying to lead me to the Lord already because when we were only, he was 20 and I was 21, he died in a moped accident, you know, and he bled to death. And when he came back from life, he started telling me about Jesus and he prophesied my miracle healing also that's in my book. So I'd read a little bit more about him probably. As it is on the website, there is a Troy story. I just added that to it just recently and it's pretty incredible too. Rand, who inspires you in your life? Are are there people who you find can encourage you and motivate you, especially when you need it? Well, my wife and Troy was the only inspiration I had when I was sick and dying, but he passed away a few years ago, unfortunately. I'm sorry. It's been about it. It seems like so much of the world is is antichrist. You just become very lonely when you're Christian, at least in my town. (laughs) Well, I think a lot of people are going to find hope and inspiration in this book. And now you can listen to it, too. It's an audiobook. It's titled The Lord vs. Corruption. It's written by Rand Tubbs, and it's published by the Audiobook Network. So go to Audible, the Apple iTunes Store, or Amazon, and you can pick this up there. Rand, thank you again for joining me and telling me about this book and about your story. I had a really nice time talking tonight. I've had a nice time talking to you also. Thanks a lot, and i just like to point out that my book really brings Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. It brings it right to life, and basically talks about judgment at the end of life. Gone to Kansas, 1856, Fire and Tribulation, the sequel to Gone to Kansas, 1855, a historical novel. This is a gripping novel by Kendall D. Gott. Now, we talked about this fascinating story not long ago here at the Reader House Author Roundtable, and now the audiobook is available. Kendall is here now. 
and we're going to talk all about it. Kendall, welcome back to the show. It's great to be talking with you again. Well, thank you for having me, Corey. Kendall, can you catch us all up on the series Gone to Kansas 1855, now Gone to Kansas 1856? Try to do it briefly. Once you get me rolling, it's hard to shut me up. <laughs> it's a young man that grew up in a broken household in St. Louis, partly on the streets, partly at home. He comes to Kansas to escape all that. And it's in the era of bleeding Kansas where you had the pro-slavery and the free state people battling it out for political dominance. And he's caught in the middle. And he goes through a series of adventures. The sequel picks up where it left off and carries him through a number of things and the history is real, and he gets caught up in it, and you can see the historical picture, the historical story through the eyes of this young man. Mm. Now, once you got done with the audio book and you listened to your book, what was that like, opposed to having read it off the page that whole time? Uh, well, it's mixed feelings. You know, one, it's just, it's fun. You, you get to hear your work and someone else reading it and enjoying it. On the other hand, I think every author feels this way, is that why did I write it that way? Is there, you know, I wish I could go back and change a few things. But if you live by that rule, you'll never get anything published. There, there just comes a time that you've read it, you've reread it, you've made all the changes. There'll always be changes. So there just comes a time where you just kind of have to cut bait and let it go. And a lot of work goes into producing the audio book. What made you decide that that needed to be done? Some of my colleagues are, are authors as well, and they did their audiobooks first, and they, they kind of convinced me that was the way to go. seems that it's growing, that people are choosing audiobook over sitting down and reading it. So when they're in their commute or, you know, they just don't have the time to read a book or they don't like it, they listen to it. And, oh, that's okay. So I was really kind of hoping to get more audience with the audiobook than would be with just a printed word. And so much of that is finding the right voice for your story. Was that a smooth process? Yeah, it was. It really happened in detail in the first book. I was sent three files, and they had two men and a woman. I was interested in seeing if a, a woman would work for me, but her voice ended up sounding like my ex-wife, and I just couldn't abide by that. <laughs> the other two, the gentleman, Michael Reeves, that I chose, he just had the voice I was looking for, and then when he switched from narrator to character, and he did all the characters too, he did very well. He was able to instantly switch one character to another back to the narrator. So I made an excellent choice with him, and uh, I was really glad that he he was offered up as a possibility for selection. So when it came to the second book, when it came to the second book, it was real easy. I just want him, you know, get Michael back. Right. So, Kendall, what advice could you give to other authors who are considering going that audiobook route? Well, take a deep breath and do it. It was enjoyable. I think the rewards are there. I'm, I don't even track book sales. That's not why I'm doing this. I'm doing this for fun. But it certainly broadens your audience, I think, if you do the audiobook as well. With my experience with this company, I highly recommend it. It was fun. It was easy. I don't like to mess around too much in the business world. I'd like to be able to sit and concentrate on writing. And I was able to do that. Everything was kind of taken care of. Kendall, I love that you're doing this just because you love to do it. So are you working on anything now? Can we expect anything more from you here anytime soon? Well, I have a pile of notes and a noggin full of ideas for the third chapter or the third book of this the story gone to Kansas. Right now, that's where I'm kind of leaning towards. I'm just going to continue the story, not even finish it. But I have a couple ideas too. So I'm just kind of sitting on that fence and I just need a slight breeze to push me off one way or the other. I think a lot of readers and a lot of listeners are going to love this book. It's titled Gone to Kansas 1856, 
Fire and Tribulation, the sequel to Gone to Kansas 1855, a historical novel. It's written by Kendall D. Gott and is published by the Audiobook Network. So head on over to Audible or the Apple iTunes Store or Amazon. You can pick it up. Kendall, it's been great having you on the show and talking all about this book. Thanks again for being here. Well, again, thank you so much for having me. This is a captivating collection of poetry sharing the author's emotions and personality with listeners. It's author Jim Forbes' new audiobook, Simple Ways, and Jim is sitting right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable, and we're going to talk all about this book. Jim, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. Well, thank you for calling. Well, it's my pleasure. Jim, can you tell me about this book, Simple Ways? What can readers expect? Well, it was written at various times in my life. It, it, it wasn't written overnight. It's, it's been a long process, and it really is about my emotional life and how I felt at different times in my life. It's kind of a guide for somebody who's having problems and might want to read uh, more emotional products from someone who's emotionally upset or happy or whatever. Jim, what was it that made you decide to get your poetry published? Well, the reason I wrote it was because there were nights there that, that, you know, long and lonely nights and depression and down on the world, and then the next one might be happy and gay, and so... That's the way it was written, and my wife was quite a help in helping me. She said, you should publish this, and we did, and then we're having you do it, too. Mm. Is this your first book, Jim? Have you ever done anything like this before? They're doing a second poetry book now, and besides this poetry, I've, I've had one, two, three, four, five, six. I've got seven other books besides this one. Oh, wow. Are they all poetry, or do you write about different things? No, there's a child book, and then I wrote one history book on the Cattle Empire, and then the rest of them are just fiction. Wow. What would you say is the most rewarding aspect for you of being a published author? Well... <laughs> For me, I, I taught school for a long time, mm. and I was just a regular school teacher, and I had no idea, really, that I ever could write. I've had these scribblings that I've done over the years, and then when I did start writing and my books have been successful, it made me feel good because I'm more than just a school teacher. Mm. I mean, you teach 20, 30 years. That's a long time to take care of people's children. And to do something else and be successful is quite rewarding. Now, Jim, this is the audiobook version. What was it like hearing your poetry read as opposed to reading it off the page? I loved it. When it was someone else read it, it sounded much better than when I wrote it and, and read it myself. And does it ever get old, that first copy coming in after you put all that time into writing a book and you actually get to hold this thing and your name's on the cover? What kind of moment is that like for you, Jim? Well, it's delightful. I mean, I, I look at this. I, I mean, my kids and my grandkids and, and other kids are going to have this to read for years. So mm. I think it's great that it worked out like that. I just, I love it. Now, Jim, when you think about the writing and you think about the publishing and the marketing distribution, what would you say is the most challenging part of the process for you? I think probably the most challenging part, <laughs> and this may sound silly, but deciding on the cover of the book it, to me, was quite hard. Yeah, a lot of people don't think about that when they're writing a book. They just concentrate on the words, getting that wording right, and then they say, oh, yeah, we need a cover, too. Right. 
the cover needs to go with the book. You don't print a Western book and put a 1929 Ford on it, <laughs> on the cover. So, yeah, the covers were quite hard in some cases. That's just a thought process that goes into it. This Simple Ways was pretty hard. I didn't know how to, I didn't know what to say about this. And then I got to thinking about it, and it goes along with my life as it went up and down and up and down. It was really pretty much all hard. And then I don't know a whole lot about electronics. If it hadn't have been for my wife, I couldn't have done hardly any of this. But she knows how to do computers and everything. And so that's how all this got started. I think a lot of people are going to connect with this poetry on a very deep level. And I encourage people to check this out. It's titled Simple Ways. This is written by Jim Forbes and is published by the Audiobook Network. So get on Audible or go to the Apple iTunes store or go to Amazon and you can find this book. Jim, thanks again for joining me tonight, telling me about your poetry and all your other work. I had a nice time talking with you. Well, I thank you for calling. Thank you very much. Stop being a victim. Lift weights off, lift eyes up, and spread your wings. Now, those aren't my words. That's the new book by Diana Baronic. And we're going to talk all about it. Diana is right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Diana, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Yes, thank you for inviting me. I look forward to this. I've been looking forward to finding out about this book. Can you tell me what readers are in store for here? Sure. This book is my personal memoir, and it's how God really transformed me. Got me to the other side of a victim mentality. I take readers through a lot of the traumas and trials that I experienced throughout my life and how to not be defeated by any of it, Mm. to get to the other side of adversity, not as a survivor or a victim, but as an overcomer. And I use a lot of quotes and Bible scripture verses, as well as tips for readers, various things that helped me overcome the victim mentality. And I look very much forward to sharing these things with readers, because I think it's very important to be an overcomer in life. That's the way to do life. You're absolutely right. That's very important, Diana. Now, when you were writing this, were you speaking toward a certain group of people? No, not really. I mean, I guess throughout my life, you know, not only my story, but I would see other people being a victim of something, you know, Mm. basically staying stuck in a chapter of your life and not moving on, not turning the page. And it just really hit me that, you know, a lot of people like me don't know how to get to the other side. You know, you get hit by many things in life and things seem unfair and you just don't know how sometimes. So I think it's really for anyone to learn. And that was, you know, the basis for my book is there's a lot of wisdom that I would like to impart to other people, you know, of any age, anywhere in life. Hmm. Diana, what sparked you to sit down and start writing this book? What inspired you? Writing a book wasn't on a to-do list. It wasn't ever a dream of mine. So me actually sitting down to write was a very God-inspired process. It basically happened in the fall of 2021, one evening. I had listened to a writing crash course 
And a number of events kind of came together of a positive nature. And I just really felt like God, the Holy Spirit, was speaking to me to not be a victim of writing, to not be a victim of chapters that haven't happened yet or where I didn't have closure yet in my life. He just basically said to me, do it now. Start writing despite not having answers, despite issues still remaining. Stop being a victim of singlehood. And literally when these events just came together, just little things, and just like this voice talking to me, I started writing immediately the next day. And it just all gelled that I was supposed to do it. Mm. I felt I was ready, which to me meant being raw and vulnerable and writing for the right reason. What was the purpose behind me writing? Because I feel we all have a story and my story is very raw and vulnerable. It's going to be out there. And, you know, how do I want to share this? I have to be ready to actually put this out there. But my purpose was to help other people, not go through the long version of getting to the other <laughs> side, but maybe some shortcuts, more wisdom along the way, that type of thing. I think an awful lot of readers are going to find help. They're going to find hope in the pages of this book. It's titled, Stop Being a Victim. Lift Weights Off, Lift Eyes Up, and Spread Your Wings. This is written by Diana Baronic, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing, and you can grab it up anywhere. So head on over to Amazon or Barnes & Noble or iTunes or your local bookshop, and you'll be able to get this. Diana, thank you again for joining me and telling me all about your story and about your work. I hope we can do this again soon. Yes, I would be looking forward to that very much. And the book also will be coming out as an audio book within the next few weeks. I'm excited for that also. Sitting down with me now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable is author Peter Hardy. Peter has just written and released a new book called In Search of the Messiah, and we're going to talk all about that. Peter, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Peter, can you tell me all about what you've written in In Search of the Messiah? Well, I took the 70 years preceding the birth of Christ and the 70 years after the birth of Christ, and I laid it out in a chronological fashion, and I attempted to provide some context for the life of Jesus within the greater Roman Empire and the search of the Jewish people for their Messiah and how that search got translated to the greater Roman world. Mm. I can imagine something like this might have taken you a while, considering the research and everything that would have gone into that. Was that the case? Yeah, it's something that I've had an interest in for many years, and I would make notes here and there. And I kind of like the chronological format. I was influenced by an ancient Roman author by the name of Titus Livius, who, who prepared a similar chronological approach to writing history for different eras of earlier Roman history. Hmm. Peter, what kinds of readers were you speaking to here? Who do you think would be really into this book? Anybody who's interested in religion or who's interested in ancient history and who wants to find the connections between those two topics, which don't seem to be talked about together very often. It seems like you either talk about one or the other. You never try to put it together. Peter, what does your writing background look like? Have you ever taken anything like this on before? No, 
I'm an engineer by trade. This is just something I kind of did in my spare time. And uh, it seemed like I had a lot more time over the last couple of years because we we're all kind of shut in, had a lot more time to write because we we're, were all inside the house uh, during COVID, it seems like. Must have been quite a moment for you when you got that first copy in and you got to hold your first book for the very first time. What was that like for you, Peter? It was kind of a weird feeling seeing my name on there. I guess my initial thought was, what are my friends and family going to think about all this? Mm. <laughs> I'm sure you learned an awful lot along the way, you know, doing this kind of thing for your first time. So do you have anything that you learned, any words of wisdom that you could pass on to people who are going to do that same thing? Well, you got to stick with it every day and you find you get better and better and you find that your style gets more disciplined, your thinking process gets more disciplined and kind of learn how to compose and get better with the language, I think. And what I was doing, I think, was I would put in some like try to be funny type remarks that when you when you go back and look at it again, that stuff doesn't really belong in there. You need mm-hmm. got to kind of stay with your style and theme. Don't put funny lines in if you're not trying to write something funny, things like that. What are the chances that you'll be doing this again? Do you have any ideas for more books you might be doing ahead of you? Yeah, right now I'm working on a similar type of approach for the period from 1750 to 1820. Hmm. It's going to focus on the American and French revolutions in Napoleonic era. Once I get that done, I'm going to try to take it further from the end of the Napoleonic era to the 1870s. That'll keep me occupied for a while, I think. (laughs) I'm sure it will. Now, Peter, when you think about the whole time that you wrote and then published In Search of the Messiah, what was the most challenging aspect of it for you? Sometimes you get writer's block and you can't really figure out how you're going to finish a certain segment and you kind of have to put things away for a while and just give it a rest. When you hit those walls, you got to focus on something else for a while. And then you regain your uh, ability to get through things if you give it a rest for a while. Peter, did you find yourself sort of falling into a routine when you were writing this? Like maybe you'd get up in the morning and write it, or maybe you'd be writing late at night? Or did you find yourself writing whenever the time and inspiration were hitting you? No, I don't. I think that sometimes I'd be in the mood to write in the evening. Sometimes I'd be in the mood to spend all day at it on a Saturday or a Sunday. I never was in routine because I had to kind of work around my day job. Mm. And a lot of times, if you're driven to write a book, you also enjoy reading. So, Peter, what kind of a reader would you describe yourself as? I like biography and history, and sometimes I'll read a spy novel or something like that. I kind of like anything that can grab you in the first few pages and keep your interest. Well, I know a lot of readers are going to find this book really interesting. Again, it's titled In Search of the Messiah. This is written by Peter Hardy, and it's published by Covenant Books. Of course, you can find it anywhere, so get on Amazon or Barnes & Noble or iTunes, or go down the street to your local bookshop and you'll get this book there. Peter, thank you again for joining me and telling me all about your work. I hope we get to talk again soon. I hope so, too. Thank you. It's been great. Sitting down with me now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable is author Pastor Ron Keller, M.A. Pastor Ron, thanks for joining me tonight. Oh, Corey, thank you very, very much. I appreciate that, and I'm looking forward to our conversation together. I'm looking forward to it, too, especially since you have a new book out. It's titled Hidden Enemies in the Ministry, What I Learned from 60 Years of Ministry That I Never Learned in Seminary. Pastor Ron, this sounds like a really interesting book. What are readers in store for here? What they're in store for is a journey through the ministry from somebody who has spent 60 years doing it. 
And one does not realize everything that a pastor has to go through and all the trials that he faces and all the temptations that Satan brings against him to try to destroy his ministry. And so I decided the last couple of years of my ministry at Christ Church of the Valley in San Dimas, which was a mega church running about 4,000, I felt like there's a lot of young people in our church, and maybe some of those young people would let it go into the ministry someday. Hmm. And I've had so many varying experiences that I thought, I'm going to conduct a class and see how many show up and say, hey, we're going to entitle the class what I have learned in, in the ministry that I never learned in seminary. Things that they do go to Bible college or seminary, they will never hear any of this at all. I had about 25 young men show up, oh, and wow. we did this every single Sunday night for oh a couple of years. And some of these men have gone into the ministry, and the irony of the whole thing is one of the men who was in my class is now my pastor. Oh, wow. So things do go around in circles. But anyway, that's how it started. And now that I'm almost 83 years old, I sat down and put into writing things that I have learned in the ministry. Hmm. How long of a process was that for you, Pastor Ron, once you sat down and started writing this? You know, it really came easy. And that was Hmm. the amazing thing, because I was able to go all the way back to the time I was 10 years of age and talk about things that I learned in church all the way up to where we are today. And I could even bring people's names to mind and Of course, I only put people's names if it was good. I omitted (laughs) people's names if it was not good, but the stories are there. So you talk about a period of time, you know, I I probably spent seven or eight months writing this book, but probably not as long as a lot of people, but it's memories and it's a lot of my teaching that I taught because I save everything I've taught so I could pull out things and just rework them a little bit to fit the book. Well, of course, being in the pastoral ministry requires quite a bit of writing, but when it comes to writing a book and going through the publishing hoops, have you ever done anything like this before, Pastor Ron? No, I have not. This is my first book. It may not be my last. I don't know, but I'll see how this book does. But here's what I do do. I learned very early in the homiletics in my undergraduate work. I had a wonderful homiletics professor. And he said, here's what you need to do. Write every sermon out in complete manuscript. You don't preach it from the manuscript, but you write it out. Hmm. And I have followed that all of my years in the ministry. Every sermon has been written out word for word for word. Then you memorize the concepts. But what this does is help you from taking rabbit trails, getting off of the topic. It helps you from all the ums and ahs and things like that because you don't know quite where you're going or what you're going to say next. And it gives correct English. It gives a correct flow of thoughts in what you're doing. I learned that, and so I have done an awful lot of writing, but it's just what I use for my sermons or a Bible class I would teach. Well, for pastors, this is truly some wisdom from the trenches, and I encourage them to check this book out. The title is Hidden Enemies in the Ministry, What I Learned from 60 Years of Ministry That I Never Learned in Seminary. This is written by Pastor Ron Keller, M.A., and of course, it's published by Christian Faith Publishing, and you can get it everywhere. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and also traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Pastor Ron, it's been great having you on the show and learning all about your ministry and about this book. I hope we get to talk again soon. 
Well, thank you, Corey, and I appreciate you calling, and God bless you, and God bless the people who listen to this, and buy the book. I'm really happy to be sitting down with author Donald Harland here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Donald, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here with me tonight. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. You know, it's so exciting when you get a new book out there in stores. Your new one is called How I Overcame, and this is a memoir. Can you tell me what readers can expect here, Donald? The book is about myself growing up as a troubled youth and getting mixed up in the wrong crowds and, you know, all types of things that, that lead children astray. And then getting addicted to the drugs and alcohol. Mm. So once I learned to overcome, once I overcame that addiction, you know, I felt, you know, it was my responsibility to share that with my peers. Man, what a fantastic story that is, Donald. What was the spark or the inspiration that made you say, hey, I got to get started on this book. I got to tell my story to the world. Yeah, I worked for an institution that helped people, you know, that did a lot of things for people. Mm-hmm. You know, and I volunteered there at this institution. And the director, he told me that he really thought that my story could help a lot of people. You know, he knew about, you know, myself overcoming a lot of what I've been through. And so it really kind of inspired me to write that, put pen to paper. Mm. Donald, were you writing primarily for people who also have troubles like you had, addiction issues and growing up with a rough life? Yes. This particular book, because I, I struggled for so long, and I hear I hear stories about people struggling, you know, for years and years and decades, you know, for that matter, mm. and struggling with something that they just can't shake. And it was something that I never experienced in my life. Never, ever imagined nothing that I could, you know, couldn't overcome. Mm. So once I had to struggle in all them years of addiction and lack, you know, then once I overcame that, you know, I felt that it's something that people like me, like I was going, people that were going through the same problems I was going through, they needed to hear that. Mm. I took that advice. Donald, how long did this take you to write? It took me just to write it, to put it together. It took me several months to write it, a couple weeks to edit. You know, then you have you get over the apprehensions and whatnot, which I'm now completely over because, you know, the, the scripture that I shared with people before that helped me overcome that fear, you know, apprehension, of, you know, revealing all my tell-all story. You know, it was a scripture in, in the book of Revelations, chapter 12, verse 11. It says, and they overcame him, meaning the devil, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. That passage of scripture alone totally eliminated my fears. Donald, have you thought about maybe writing another one after this? Yes. I'm actually, I'm working on a continuation of, of my first book. You know, it's, that's what I'm working on right now. I can only imagine the feelings and the thoughts that you have whenever you get the first copy in and you get to hold your book for the first time. Your name's on the cover of this book, Donald. What was that like for you? Oh, wow. That was a, a feeling of accomplishment. You know, I, I felt that I really achieved something that I hear so many people say they want to achieve this. You know, So I really felt a strong sense of accomplishment. Very grateful. And you should. You know, you're right. A lot of people say, hey, one day I'm going to write a book. 
but how many of those people actually do it? And you're one of the ones that actually followed through. You did it. So kudos to you for that. Thank you. Thank you so much. And now that you've done that for the first time, Donald, uh, what advice would you give to authors who are listening to us right now who are just starting out and are just about to do the same thing? First and foremost, I would say I had to stay focused. You know, if you're going to write a book, if you're planning to write a book, you know, stay focused on that, do your research, do a lot of studying and, and whatnot. And most important, don't give up. Well, what a wonderful story this book tells. I think it's going to help a lot of people, and my listeners should check it out. The title is How I Overcame. It's written by Donald Harland and is published by Covenant Books. You can find it everywhere, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and also traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Donald, I really appreciate you coming on the show and telling me about your life story a little bit and about this book. I had a nice time with you. Thank you so much for having me. I enjoy being on your show. Glad to come back again for the next one. I've got an interesting new book in my hand called Stand Your Ground, Standing Firm in the Face of Adversity. This is a book written by Robert Null, and I get to talk about it here right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Robert is sitting right here with me. Welcome to the show, Robert. Thank you for being here. Well, uh, thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to being able to talk to you. I've been looking forward to it as well. This book seems really interesting. Stand your ground. Robert, what are readers in store for here? Well, I hope they're in store for some inspiration to find the place that God has appointed them to be and to stand their ground come what may. What sorts of readers were you speaking to here? Did you have a group in mind? Well, yeah, I did. I, I began putting this together as a book for pastors, and then the further I got into it, the more I realized that this is a good book for any believer that has a, a sense of purpose on their life, because we all encounter adversity along the way. And, you know, some of the heroes of the faith, like a guy named Shama that was one of David's mighty men of valor, he gave a great example of standing his ground in a place that didn't make a lot of sense. The Bible actually said he stood his ground in a field of lentils like a pea patch. <laughs> when everybody else ran away, he stood his ground, and because he did, God brought great victory in that day. Sometimes I think we leave our places a little bit prematurely. So, Robert, can you go back and think about when you were inspired to write this, when you got that spark that made you think, hey, I got to get started on this book? Well, it came about while I was reading Scripture one morning. I was reading in Hebrews in chapter 10, verse 32 spoke to me in the following verses. And it says, but recall the former days in which after you were illuminated, you'd endure a great struggle with suffering. Basically what he's saying, you need to remember the time when you first saw the light, you first experienced Christ, and know that there were some difficult days there. Mm -hmm. That scripture goes on and it says, you know, you suffered, you stood with other people while they suffered or struggled, and you had compassion on folks. And you need to do that, not throw away your confidence, which has great reward, and you need to be able to endure so that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. 
Mm-hmm. I know that's a lot to say, but when I read that, the Lord reminded me of the pastor that actually led me to the Lord. He used to say, man, if I had a hundred new believers, I believe we could storm the gates of hell <laughs> and put the fire out because mm-hmm. new believers will believe God for anything. And if that's true, what about us old guys that have been around a while? <laughs> we have need of endurance. We need to persevere. Oh, Robert, what does your writing background look like? Have you ever taken anything on like this before? Not just like this. I'm a pastor. I've been in the ministry for 40 years, and so I've been writing in, you know, short things here and there. Most of my, I guess, serious writing might have been through times when I was working on my graduate degree. And I've always dreamed of being able to have the time to write, but it does take a lot of time, and I am a full-time pastor. My real job gets in the way of the things I want to do sometimes. So your dream came true, Robert. You got published, and that day came, and you finally got to see that book and hold that book in your hands and see your name on the cover. It must have been quite a day. What was that moment like? It was pretty amazing. I've had to fight with two different emotions. One is a little bit of pride, and I hope that doesn't sound bad, but I'm proud of the result of the work. But I'm also humbled by the fact that the Lord might be able to use my words to be able to encourage someone else. It's like this. I just really love this thing. I hope everybody else does, too. I don't know if that makes sense or not. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, I know that a lot of readers are going to find their place in God and stand their ground. The title of this book is Stand Your Ground, Standing Firm in the Face of Adversity. This is written by Robert Null, and it's published by Covenant Books, and you can get it anywhere. Go to Amazon, go to Barnes & Noble, go to iTunes, or take a walk down the street to your local bookshop, and you'll find this book there. Robert, I really appreciate you coming on the show and telling me about your work, telling me about this book. I had a nice time chatting with you. Well, thank you so much. I have enjoyed it myself. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Reader House Author Roundtable where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. We hope to see you back here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where independent new authors come first. 